We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Welcome to Tuesday night, 6.03. Here we are, live and local at the law offices of Adala, Bertruna, and Commons. It was a busy day in the law. Um, I was in uh, court this morning. Um, but before we talk, and then we have a great guest on. He is a professor in um, at the, I want to say the University of Georgia. Is that correct? Before joining the Georgia State university faculty um and he um he's going to talk to us all about the trump indictment okay but joan you just show me that does it say where he's the professor uh, ash family chair professor of law emory where oh at emory university okay because the other thing you gave me says georgia state my best you're right Right. Oh, he went to Emory as he a went student. To Emory, correct. Right. See, we all some. I got in big trouble yesterday with Joan because <laughs> when I last time I did the last Grand Central remote, apparently me. I gave her too much attention. You teased me. And now this time when we did the Grand Central remote, I did not give her enough attention. So, huh, women, you know, <gasps> you so never win, do you? Um, <laughs> Alex, I want to thank you because you were very, very helpful yesterday. Um, and you know, doing those remotes are not that easy, um, because it's loud and there's a ton of distractions. And Alex, you did a great job, you know, in my ear telling me, you know, when I was on, when I wasn't on, what to read, what not to read. So thank you, Alex. Well, he's not here tonight, but I'll also thank Matt Sambolin for setting the board up for success here. So kudos to all around. And Arthur, you did a great job last night. Wasn't that fun? I thought that was a fun broadcast. It, it, it definitely was fun and it was informative and we got some great feedback. Um, I want to, I want to give you some kudos too. Can I give you some kudos? All right, I was so short, proud of you. Okay. You mm-hmm. did such a great job, and we learned about these local midtown bids. We also had eight guests. It's not exactly the easiest. Not an easy thing. Plus, you throw you throw in Frank. You throw in. Well, that was true. He was Christine, part. Of, he was part of the eight. Throw in oh, yeah. so Carol. A bunch of, couple of egos floating around, and um, <laughs> so I just wanted to make sure everyone got the, you know their ch- time to speak. Um, of course, Jones holding up cue cards. Give Tom Harris more time. Give Tom. <laughs> so I, you know, I, and open up the present. Open up You're the present. Do a little recap. We with did him tonight. We too. did. Um, oh, good. Tom will be on. Okay, yes. so we'll talk about Tom in a little bit. We'll talk about that a little bit later with Tom Harris after we speak um, about a little bit about the the Trump Giuliani indictment. I I did speak to Mayor Giuliani just a few minutes ago, and and that's for me very sad. Um, you know, I mean, growing up as a kid, uh, initially Rudy Giuliani was the uh, prosecutor who cleaned up organized crime. 
And for me, that was a big deal because I lived in and around a neighborhood where organized crime was prevalent. Let's, you know, let's just put that out there. Um, you know, a little bit more, a little tiny bit outside of my neighborhood where I grew up, but where my, my law firm is on 13th Avenue and 18th Avenue, um, you know, there, there was a lot of activity, um, in that, from that crew, let's say, or those crews. I mean, they were like wars going on. This is all in the 80s, people getting shot and killed. Um, and Giuliani and his U.S. Attorney's Office came in in a pretty heavy-handed way and made a, a whole bunch of arrests. And, you know, the ironic part slash, I guess to me anyway, a little sad part is they used the RICO laws um, to do that, which is racket, racket, racketeering laws. Um, and those are the same type of laws that they're using now um, regarding the... Um, uh, the current indictment with Trump in Georgia. We're going to get to this in the next segment. All I'll say is RICO laws are typically used for organized crime and for like, drug cases, uh, things of like where there's a real group of people, a real organized group of people who have kind of sat down and have the same scheme plan uh, agreement amongst them. And often RICO is used to skirt around statues of limitations, which is not the case here, but it is in, in other situations. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, I have no problem telling you. I'm, I always try to be very honest here. I'm much more upset about Mayor Giuliani being indicted than I am about President Trump being indicted. You know, this is, um, the first time, uh, that, that the man who was the U.S. attorney, of the Southern District of New York. He was the number three man in the Department of Justice. I think he was the Deputy Attorney General of the United States of America when he was like 38 years old under Ronald Reagan. He was the mayor of the city of New York. He was a hero on 9-11. He ran for president of the United States, was a statesman and a businessman, and that's all gone by the wayside um, to, the, to a large degree. Um, let's face it, based on his association with Donald Trump, had... Rudy Giuliani just kind of stayed a businessman here in New York and stayed out of the world of politics um, after his time as mayor. Um, you know, he would still go down as being the greatest mayor of the city of New York. I, I don't, even though he may still hold that title, although Mr. Bitter is going to say, no, Bloomberg was the greatest mayor of the city of New York. Without Giuliani, there is no Bloomberg. Like, Bloomberg can't worry about green taxis and a million trees and banning smoking when the the subways were almost, you couldn't travel on them without putting your wallet in your shoe and leaving all your jewelry at home. You couldn't go to Times Square without being assaulted by guys going, I got smoke, I got coke, I got IDs, I got knives, uh, and, and, and sex shops all over the place. So, you know, I just say the one-two punch of Giuliani and Bloomberg, those 20 years um, for uh, obviously in my life lifetime were just spectacular. Um, but, you know, Mayor Giuliani's reputation now will, will be far different than what it was, let's just say, on December 31st, 2001 and thereafter, when he was an international ambassador for the United States of America for safety in the United States of America. And he had really done very well for him and his family. And I'm not telling any stories out of school, but it's, you know, just read the newspapers. It's very different for him now. Um 
Real quick, I want to tell you a quick, funny story. Um, this morning, uh, I, I spent a little time with my children, my little children, which was wonderful. I mean, they are, both of them are such a wonderful age, and Marianne is such a great mom, and you know, I kind of get to like swoop in and hang out with them, and she's doing all the hard work, and she took Arthur to camp. I spent a little more time with Ariana, and then I went upstairs, and I did my little push-ups and my little workout routine that's about seven seconds long, um, but it makes me feel like I'm doing something. And um, I turned on the radio, and um, I, I turned on 970, and actually Piscopo's show was in a commercial, so I flipped over to 770 to just, because I hadn't... Before I went to sleep, I saw Trump was indicted and I was reading the indictment, but I didn't really dig too deep into it a little bit, but nothing crazy because um, it had just, just, just come out. Actually, when I, I, I went to bed early last night, I think, you know, I was a little tired, um, <clears throat> which is such a rare thing for me. Really, it's rare. I'm not often tired, but yesterday I was tired. Um, and so I went to bed at like, like 11 and of course, I woke up. Not, I shouldn't say, of course, but I woke up, and there was Fox Five reaching out to me at eleven thirty. Can I be on the show at seven o'clock this morning? Luckily, I missed that text. Otherwise, I would have done something crazy and woken up at five thirty in the morning and gone there. So I missed it. So I apologized. But um, so I had the radio on this morning, and I was listening to um, our friend John Katsimatidis, uh other station, WABC, and um, I jump into the shower, and when when I jump out of the shower, I'm wet. I could hear Bill O'Reilly is on with Sid Rosenberg, and uh, they're you know going deep into the Trump case and the four cases, and um, I can see my now I'm literally dripping wet, and I see my phone is ringing, and I don't know the number, so I don't take the call because I'm literally soaking wet, and it's whatever eight nine o'clock in the morning. I said whoever it is they could wait, and um, I. Uh, and then look down, I get a text from Mr. Sid Rosenberg saying, you know, are you there or answer your phone or something like that. So I just dial the number back and um, it's Sid's producer. And he goes, Sid wants you on now. I'm like, OK. And I, I don't even have a towel on me at this point. And I just hear Sid go, well, Bill O'Reilly, um, we actually have Arthur Idala on the line with you. So you guys can go back and forth. And for the next 20 minutes, um, while I'm in my birthday suit, all alone in my room, uh, Bill O'Reilly and I sparred a little bit. It wasn't really a debate. It was more, you know, I refer to a lot of these people on the radio who are great and who I enjoy and, and who I listen to. I'm a consumer of talk radio. Um but they're a little bit, you know, they lean towards the entertainment side of things because they, and, and Bill O'Reilly said it many times over, um, you know, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a lawyer. Um, and he was just saying things that just kind of were not accurate, not kind of, that were not accurate. So I'm trying to thread this needle because Sid and, and O'Reilly were are pretty close. I'm trying to thread this needle between correcting errors about what the Supreme Court of the United States can do, which cases they can get involved in, which way they can't. Will they? Won't they? Um, apparently, I, I did a pretty good job because I got a bunch of text messages from everyone from the controller of the state of New York to the author, David Fisher, and various and sundry others, um, as well as Sid, who just was said that was the greatest radio people here this week. Uh, but to be caught off guard like that and be able to stand up on your feet is pretty, you know, it's interesting. And then I ran to court in Brooklyn Supreme Court and stood on my feet for about 
half an hour, 40 minutes, arguing a case in front of the Honorable Danny Chun. So it has been a day. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to dig a little deeper on this Georgia Trump indictment. Don't go away. If you're a business owner, imagine getting up to $26,000 per employee. There's still time for business owners to file for the Employee Retention Tax Credit Program. This program is for business owners who continue to pay their W-2 employees during the COVID pandemic. Many businesses qualify and simply do not know it. All business types and industries may qualify. You can claim the credit even if you received a PPP loan. This is a cash payment and not a loan and can be claimed now. The licensed CPAs and tax professionals at DH Tax and Consult have been serving business owners across the country for over 15 years. The best part is that until you receive your cash payment, you don't pay us a dime. Our tax credit specialists are available now at 833-ERC-FILE and your tax payment estimate is quick, easy, and free. That's 833-ERC-FILE to qualify you and your business for up to $26,000 per W-2 employee for free federal aid. Call us now at 833-ERC-FILE. That's 833-ERC-FILE. In an era where it's tough to know which news outlet to trust, at a time where it's difficult to find facts, not just opinion, there is an oasis in the news desert. It's the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis, the personification of the American dream, who built a multi-billion dollar business empire, talks with some of the nation's top newsmakers who are shaping the news cycle in the city, the country, and the world. Catch the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning, starting at 8 on AM 970. The Answer. Hi, this is Joan Herman, host of Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Take time for yourself. Tune into Conversations with Joan every Sunday night at 10 p.m. on AM 970 The Answer. For more information, visit CYACYL.com. Are you considering a unique way to enhance your investment knowledge this year? Then sign up today for the all-inclusive Eagle Financial Publications Cruise. Along with our trusted partner, The Money Show, we're setting sail this December to explore some of the most beautiful and unspoiled destinations in the Caribbean. But this is no ordinary vacation. It's a chance to learn from top Eagle Financial experts like best-selling authors George Gilder, Mark Skousen, and others who will be hosting a series of workshops and seminars throughout the trip. Imagine lounging on the sun deck while discussing investment strategies with like-minded individuals or enjoying a gourmet dinner at the same table with one of our leading financial authorities. This once-in-a-lifetime cruise is a perfect way to combine education and relaxation to achieve your investment goals. This cruise will sell out quickly, so visit EagleFinancialCruise.com today to learn more and to secure your cabin. That's EagleFinancialCruise.com. Eagle Financial is a division of Salem Media Group. All right, we all need to protect ourselves from possible financial ruin due to nursing home costs or overall medical costs. You know, a nursing home could cost $500 a day, $15,000 plus a month. It could wipe you out. So you need to protect yourself by calling the lawyers at Connors and Sullivan. These attorneys know their stuff because they've helped hundreds of people just like you 
make sure that their assets are secure and make sure they know the government programs that they are entitled to. So call Connors and Sullivan for a free initial consultation with a lawyer. Call 718-238-6500. They have offices in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. The time to act is now. You don't want to wait. Oh, I'll wait until I'm sick. That's the silliest thing you could do. So call now, 718-238-6500. Call Connors and Sullivan. Meet with one of their lawyers for a free consultation. And trust me, folks, after you meet with them, you'll be so glad that you did. Listen to AM 970, The Answer on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. Georgia. Georgia. All right. So here we go. We got... uh, a little Georgia action here. The Georgia's been, uh, the, that state has been mentioned a lot in the last, uh, I don't know, 72 hours. So let me talk, you know, this is a state court case, not a federal court case. So in federal court, the federal law is supposed to be the same across the whole land, right? From Alaska to Hawaii to uh, Maine to Florida. But state law is varies in, in every different state. It's a, there are little nuances here and there. So I thank Joan for finding one of our guests who has been a guest before, Professor Eric J. Siegel. He's the Ash Family Chair Professor of Law at Georgia State University uh, College of Law. Welcome back to the show, Professor. It's good to be here. The case is in state court for now. <laughs> I know. Now. It, may not, it may not stay there. <laughs> well, tell us. I mean, I, I, I love, let me be honest with you, Professor. I spoke to uh, Mayor Giuliani within the hour and he educated me on this which i didn't know but i'll let you have the floor and talk about and let the listeners uh know what you're speaking sure so first of all mark meadows the chief of staff who was also named in the indictment has already within within what 18 hours of the indictment made a motion in the court to take the case out of state court and into federal court the reason he can make that motion is there's a federal law that trumps all state laws, so to speak, that says a federal officer who is sued in state court in a criminal case who was performing official federal duties and has a colorable defense, doesn't have to be a persuasive defense or a winning defense, just a colorable defense defined broadly, can remove the case to federal court. And that's what Mark Meadows has already done. That's what Trump did in New York. But in New York, his motion to remove it from New York state court to the um, federal court was pr- properly denied by the judge because there's no set of circumstances where paying a stripper hush money is an official act of the president. It's just, and that's what the judge said, and he's right. But Georgia is very different. Trump is going to argue and Meadows is going to argue, and I'm not saying this is – I agree with this, but they're going to argue all we were doing was ensuring the integrity and fairness of a federal election. And we're allowed to do that. The president of the United States is allowed to do that. Now, I think, I, you know, you and I know what President Trump wanted to do. He wanted to change the results of the election. Or if you don't know that, I know that. But whatever. Nevertheless, that argument is a hard one. It's fuzzy. It's complicated. It's going to take a lot of time. And at the end of the day, you know what's going to turn on? Which judge decides it? And then eventually what the Supreme Court says. Because this issue is going to go to the Supreme Court almost certainly. It's a so, historic, okay. historic issue. Let's, let's let's back up for one second, Professor yeah. Siegel. Sure. Um, you said, you know, which judge decides it. So does this motion to remove the case from yeah. Georgia state court to federal court, does that motion yeah. get filed with the state court judge or a federal court judge? Federal court judge. This is how it works. It has to be within 30 days 
Mark Meadows is prompt, isn't he? Anyway, it has to be within 30 days. And then here's the procedure. A federal trial judge first make, you know, first has to be a hearing and briefs and all that. Then he has to write an opinion about it. That takes time. If Meadows and Trump and Clark all lose those motions, it gets appealed to the Court of Appeals. And given that we're talking about a former president here, it probably goes to the Supreme Court of the United States. That's at least a year. At least. So so I just want to make sure, because I think this is very interesting. (laughs) At least for me, it's very interesting. But I think people (laughs) listen to this show know it's got a legal bend to it. So... um, Let's just talk about Meadows. So right now, Meadows lawyers go to the United States Supreme. I'm sorry, go to the federal court in Georgia. Is that in Atlanta? Which, by the way, it's two blocks. Yes, it's, by the way, it's two blocks from the state court. Let me explain something really fast. Sure. The reason they want to be in, there's a lot of reasons they want to be in federal court, but for Trump specific, yes, about Meadows, but for Trump specifically, the jury pool in Georgia, in Fulton County Superior Court is a very racially different jury pool than the federal district court. Very different. And that's why Trump is is doing everything he can to stay out of Fulton County. Okay. Um, I got you. All all, all those tweets this week about how terrible Fulton County is and all that stuff, that's what this is about. He does not want to be here. You know, John Lewis, the same, whatever, whatever one's politics, you have to admire John Lewis. He just, no, you had to do. He, he was, you know, he fought the civil rights. He's legendary. He's a legendary He's man. Legendary. Trump treated awful things about John Lewis and where John Lewis lives. Well, this is where John Lewis lived before he passed. Trump has always had this thing about Atlanta where he hates it. And frankly, it's probably because our city government has been effectively all black since 1970. Well, just professor, just so people know in general, uh, as, and I could speak in my capacity as a criminal defense attorney, you almost never want to go from state court to federal court because typically the um, the sentence the, the, the rules of evidence are much more in a the prosecutor's favor in federal court than they are in state court, um, and the sentencing is usually much much more harsh in federal court than state court. But I understand what you're saying here regarding uh, the jury pool. No, well, there's a well, there's a part you're missing. There's a part you're missing. Meadows didn't just make a motion to um, remove it. He made a motion to remove and dismiss. And that's what Trump is going to do, too. And what they're going to say is state states cannot arrest federal officers doing their jobs. And, and by the way, he's right about that. States are not allowed in our country to arrest federal officers doing their jobs. The best example is this, if I can just get one minute of time. Professor, I want to make something clear. You're the one in a rush. You can have as much. I find this fascinating. You can have as much time as you want. I appreciate that. Back in the 60s, in the South, early 60s, when you know Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, Georgia, they were all fighting desegregation. They didn't want to desegregate. So federal officials came from Washington to enforce the law of you know the Supreme Court of Brown versus Board of Education. They were harassed, intimidated, and thrown in jail for bogus state crimes. All of those cases were removed to federal court for federal protection. So that's the idea. We don't want, whether it's Oklahoma, Alaska, New York, or Georgia, we don't want state officials harassing federal officials who are doing their jobs. Here's the key to this case. Were Trump and Meadows doing their job, ensuring the integrity of the election, or were they trying to steal the election? And that's not doing their job, and that's not part of their official duties. And in fact, there's a big question, was Trump the president or a candidate when he was doing these things? 
if he's a candidate, he can't remove. If he's the president, he might be able to remove. Well, he's always, I mean, <laughs> until January the 20th, he's the president. I agree. Okay. I agree with you. But that doesn't okay. mean everything he did. When, when, if he had drinks at 1130 at night, you know, uh, in a bar somewhere. He's still the president. That's not, he's but still he's not, the president. Not for the purposes. But he's, not doing a, but he's not doing an official act. He has to be doing an official act defined very broadly. He's going to say he was ensuring the integrity of the election process. And that's an official act. Some judge, first, first the trial judge, you know, the federal trial judge, then the Court of Appeals, then the Supreme Court, are going to have to figure out, was he an official of the United States doing his job, or was he a candidate trying to steal an election? So, Professor Siegel, let me ask you. Decided, yeah. how, how is that going to – how someone who at that time was a private citizen, but maybe could be argued that he was acting as an agent of the President of the United States, like Mayor Giuliani, how is this going to affect him, or, or what arguments will well, he have to so make? So, can I just go back once? What I said sure, earlier, we're in completely uncharted territory here. So, any, any lawyer – who says they have the answers to these questions, reach for your wallet. Because <laughs> we have had nothing like this ever in American history before. So, you know, we're, and the answer to your question is it's very complicated. If I'm a federal contractor building a federal building with specs provided by the federal government, and we have a contract, and they tell me it has to be this height and this tall and this wide, and a state comes in and says, you violated the law by building it like that, this is a private contractor I'm talking about. He probably is a federal officer for purposes of this statute and can, and, and can take the case to federal court. But for Giuliani to admit that, he'd have to admit that he and Trump would do something together officially. That's hard. That's hard. Like, that's going to be a hard case to make. OK, so let's just back I'm up. Sorry just... I'm sorry. I'm sorry about the legalese here. No, 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 really no, no, no. That's OK. I can't make it. I can't. I am. I, I actually, Professor, I'm a lawyer. I, I just don't play one. I'm, I don't only play one on TV. I was in court all morning today. Tomorrow I'll be in the Southern District your, of New York. I, I was apologizing to your audience, not to you. <laughs> no, I, no, I get it, Professor. But, th- but everyone who listens to this show, they're legal eagles now because they get to, Good. you know, I, I, I impart my wisdom and knowledge upon them. So <laughs> let's just let's just rewind um, yeah. from logistics. My understanding is between now and Friday of next week, not this Friday, next Friday, all yeah. of the defendants have to surrender. I'm assuming there will be some sort of a coordinated effort for them to come in in, in groups or bunches or, or all at once. Um, and then uh, I believe that you are correct. Hold, hold on, pause. Pa- pause a second. You know more about this than I do because I don't hold myself out as a criminal defense lawyer. But there are 19 defendants with different lawyers. You're assuming there's going to be a lot of cooperation. I would not assume that. You know, you know some of these people are going to plead, right? You know that. 19 defendants. I, I, I don't think some they're all going to plead. I don't know if no, they're going to plead by Friday. Yeah, but, but not by Friday? No, no, no. no. I'm just saying, oh. you, when, he said, when he said coordination. Well, I, no, I just, meant, I just meant to surrender. I mean, I just mean yeah. within the next, whatever yeah. it is, 10 days. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that'll be. Yeah. And, and I, I have dealt with people uh, outside of New York. I'm trying to think it was Georgia. No, uh, uh, they're very, they're much nicer <laughs> in a lot of the well, prosecutors. I'm, I'm from Long Island. I grew up in Long Island. Okay, I good. Can, there I'm, you go. I'm from Port Washington. I can tell you life is slower here and just a little bit less intense. 
Right. No, 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 exactly. That's, you know, I've had cases in Oklahoma and different parts of Ohio, and they're much nicer. And I I think everyone tries to avoid a circus. My understanding is the judge here who's going to do the arraignment will allow cameras in the courtroom, which will that will create a circus like atmosphere. Then, uh, according to Professor Eric Siegel, who's on the phone with us right now from the uh, Georgia State (laughs) University College of Law, motions will be filed. One's already been filed to, to remove this case from state court to federal court. And I'm just I want to make sure I got this part right before I let you go, Professor. What you're saying is the appellate process for that is if a federal judge says, nope, this is staying in in state court, the uh, defendants now have the ability to go to the court of appeals for that jurisdiction and say, no, the, the district court judge was wrong. It should not stay in state court. And then if they lose there, they can at least ask for the Supreme Court of the United States of America to hear their case. Is that correct? That, that is 100% right. And for the lawyers listening, that's not the normal rule for, re, for, for removal, as you probably know. Normally, those don't get appealed. But this is different. This is not the typical removal case. This is a special statute called the Federal Officer Removal Statute. And it has different rules than all the removal issues. So and in yes, other words, Trump's case, I hate to interrupt you, but tr- just so people know, Trump's case in New York where they asked to do this, that yes. judge said no. And because yes. Trump was not acting in his capacity as a federal uh, person, Officer. Uh, Officer. you know, doing doing the, the stripper payoff, <laughs> they, there, there was no, there was that law did not apply and there was no appellate uh, uh, relief here because he was. Wait, 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 def- is that, wait, wait, is that, wait, um, hold on, back up. I read the lower court opinion. Are you saying the Court of Appeals has already ruled on this? No, 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 no. I'm saying the Court of Appeals, I, I said I don't think there is, uh, uh, they can apply to the Court of Appeals. They're going to. In, They're going to. In New York? In the New York case? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I, okay. That motion went to a, a federal judge in New York. He correct. denied it. Now it gets appealed to a three-judge panel and then the Supreme Court. Although in that case... Trump did that knowing he was going to lose because paying off a stripper is not official duty. They only did that for delay. But the Georgia motion is much more substantial. And frankly, I apologize, but I do have a hard out. I'm really sorry. No problem. (laughs) Professor Eric Siegel, thank you so much. You were absolutely spectacular. We will be speaking to you again. Go, go, go do what you got to go. You got to go be on TV or just go somewhere else. God bless you. Um, So that was great. I mean, (laughs) that was great for me, folks. Um, I I, let me be very honest. Uh, You know, I, I really had a big day in court today. And as much as I love doing this radio show and and doing the media stuff that I do, I'm always a lawyer first. So I really was focused on my case uh, last night when the indictment came out. I really just skimmed it. And then again, uh, this morning I was preparing for my case and I came to the office. There were people waiting for me. Um, And then I skimmed it again. And then I spoke to Mayor Giuliani and then I came on the air. So I was just educated tremendously by Professor Eric Siegel. He, you know, he's right there at the Georgia State University College of Law. Great, great guest. We'll shift gears a little bit. We'll talk to Tom Car- Tom Harris on Tuesday because it's Times Square Tuesday. We'll do a little, little recap, and I'll do a little truth-telling about yesterday's um, Midtown Bid Coalition uh, remote because, you know, I, I could call uh, baloney on some of our guests, but, you know, we'll, we'll do it nicely. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Tonight at 7, Radio Night Live does travel with Linda Perillo and Kevin McCullough, and we stay close to home down the Jersey Shore. Join us at 7. Okay, girls, ready to go? Yeah! Mom, I'm hungry. Can I have a snack? Me too, Mommy. You want a snack? Yeah! Got it? Children learn from our behaviors. Mommy, can you open this, All right, please? hold on one second. Okay. 
Okay, here. Thank you. They learn what is okay from the adults they see. Mommy, are you on your phone? If you're a distracted driver, <laughs> chances are they will be too. What kind of driver are you raising? Funded by the Governor's Traffic Safety Committee. Increase your investment knowledge in a unique way this year. Join us on the 2023 Eagle Financial Publications Cruise, along with The Money Show. Visit EagleFinancialCruise.com for details and to secure your cabin. Eagle Financial is a division of Salem Media Group. Dr. Gorka here, and I want to talk to you for a minute about 100% drug-free Relief Factor. I've been taking Relief Factor for years now to help me deal with pain in my body. My wife takes it as well. The reason we tell everyone uh, we know about it is simple. We found it really works to help our bodies fight off the inflammation that causes aches and pains. Whether it's the pain of injuries you've sustained or just the natural pains from the mileage over the years, Relief Factor can help. I've never looked back. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it works for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Feel the difference. Hi, this is Judge Kamins, a partner at Idala Bertuna and Kamins, and where Arthur Idala of the Arthur Idala Power Hour works at his 24-7 day job. In 2014, I retired from the bench to join ABK, which is a full-service preeminent boutique firm that has been helping New Yorkers when legal problems arise. ABK is uniquely qualified to assist New Yorkers who have a wide range of legal problems, from personal injury claims and civil litigation to criminal defense and trusts and estates. I personally work on appellate matters, attorney disciplinary matters, and complex legal issues with a dedicated group of attorneys who provide a team approach to each case. There is no legal problem too big or small for this talented and hardworking legal team. So when you think of the Idala Power Hour, also keep in mind ABK, the power legal firm. So it is September. Well, it's not September. Actually, today's Fedagosto. It's August 15th. Um, I really shouldn't be working, but we'll talk about that later because it's like an Italian thing. But really, September's right around the corner. We're going to blink, and it's going to be September. Um, and, you know, it's like back to school, back to work, back to get things in gear. You may know someone who graduated or is looking for a different type of career, and they're a little lost, and they don't know what to do. Well, I would send them to Plaza College because Plaza College presents so many options for them in so many different fields so many different areas, so many different ways to make money and support yourself and have a wonderful life in this beautiful country. Um, let's talk about the people who are with today, the court reporters. Court reporters are in demand, and it's a lucrative career with flexibility that more people are getting to know about and utilizing because the DA's offices and city and corp council, corp council they are in desperate need of court reporters. So you go to this school. You graduate and you have a job if you want one. Or you could be just be a freelance court reporter. Court schools, television stations, they need professional court reporters to record and caption everything from depositions, courtroom 
proceedings, classes, live shows, and sporting events. With this national shortage of court reporters, the National Court Reporters Association partnered with Plaza College to offer a free two-week virtual seminar that gives a glimpse into the world of court reporting and captioning. The program is called A to Z and is being offered free and can be completed from the convenience of your home. So sign up today by emailing info at plazacollege.edu. That's info, I-N-F-O, at plaza, P-L-A-Z-A, college.edu. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. Nice. Little smithereens here. Very nice, Alex, with a little smithereens action. I'm a big fan of the smithereens. I've seen them live in person uh, back in the day when I was a kid. Um, let me, uh, just before I go to Tom Harris, the reason why I was saying, you know, today is August 15th, I shouldn't be working, is today is a holy day of obligation. I'm sure you heard Joe Piscopo speak about that this morning. Um, Ferragosto in Italy used to be like a day when Everything was closed. I mean, except for the churches, everything was closed. And I want to say it was 1998. Maybe it was 99, but I think it was 1998. My friend David Spring, a.k.a. Mr. Bitter, um, he and I flew to Europe, to Italy, and um, we were going to go meet our friend Paul D'Amelia. And uh, we landed in Rome on Ferragosto on this day. And when I tell you, it was, you know what it was like? It's amazing because I wasn't able to say this three years ago. It was like what this New York City was like during COVID. It was, there was no one anywhere and everything was closed. It was eerie, but it was kind of cool. I believe there were a couple of restaurants open because people go out to eat from Fedegosto as well. But it's primarily a family day. It's where my aunt would make a big lasagna and then wrap it in, in blankets that you would sleep with to keep it warm. And then they go to the beach and eat the lasagna on the beach. Good stuff. Um, speaking of good stuff, yesterday was a, was a hoot. Two hours of the Idala Power Hour, live from Grand Central. Thank you uh, to the uh, the Midtown Bid, the coalition. They they really did a great job. It was very informative. Um, all the guests really brought their A game. But of course, my right hand man, especially on Tuesdays, is Mr. Tom Harris from the Times Square Alliance. Hello, Tom. How are you, sir? Hello, Arthur. Thank you very much for having me on again. Last night was fantastic. You have a great team. It was a great night, and I hope the audience liked it. Yeah, no, I, I did. I got some very, very good feedback. Besides the people who were right there watching, but from people who called and texted and people I heard from today, and most importantly, our general manager, Jerry Crowley. Um, <laughs> so, Tom, you know, you and I always shoot straight. I mean, it was a little bit of a puff piece for New York. Um, you know, you're always honest about the work that still needs to be done. And, you know, when I, I left there last night, I, I stayed for a little while. I spoke to my buddy Frank uh, Morano, uh, who was there amongst others. And then, you know, I walked back to the office because I had to work to prepare for my case today. And, um, you know, there, there were a couple of, let's say, uncomfortable moments as I walked by, you know, the uh, the and I know this isn't your district, so don't, you, you don't have to be dis- defensive. Um, when no, I walk I by, know. you know, when I walk by the Roosevelt Hotel, you know, there was a beautiful bar 
right next to the Roosevelt Hotel. There was a beautiful bar called the Van, called the Vanderbilt that was all boarded up. And I saw the, the and we spoke about this on the radio yesterday. I saw the the boards were taken down, and I'm thinking, oh, this is great. You know, they're going to open the bar up again and make it pretty, and you know, just try to keep that area still vibrant because there's all these beautiful stores right there, men's clothing stores, men's shoe stores. And when I walked by last night, Tom. It's just another housing area for the migrants to just sit and play on their phones and be bored out of their minds. I feel so bad for these people. So let's just agree, Tom, that you know, as, as we're heading in the right trajectory, but there's still more work to, do, to be done. Well, I think your grandfather said it best. Your grandfather in St. Jerome, good, better, best, never let it rest till your good is better and your better is best. I think we're doing a lot better in New York City than we were uh, before Mayor Adams took office, I think we have a lot of work to do. Uh, the city's been dealt a horrible blow with all of these asylees, and and you're right, you feel for them. I we have four hotels in Times Square, and I go in and I see them, and we do programs for some of the kids, and it breaks your heart. And these people need to work. Yeah, I mean, it really. It, you, I'm glad yeah. you mentioned the kids, Tom, um, because just to be clear, like when I walked by there last night. Uh, and for the first time, as I said, this was a bar restaurant that I would frequent. It's it's literally I could see it from where I'm sitting right now in my office. Basically, it's on the same side of the street, um, mm-hmm. the Vanderbilt, and um, you know, and and there it is. It's filled with people, and they're not doing anything wrong. Let's you know, these these are not people committing crimes. They're supposed to be there. There's a whole bunch of security officers there as well, um, and. It seems like a lot of folks in there have some sort of a phone, cell phone, and but there's like four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, like little kids, and these kids are bored out of their mind. There's no TV. There's no movies. There's no music. They're just all sitting in a big empty room, and what's upsetting to me, Tom, is there's no. it doesn't seem like there's any end. In, there's no end in sight. Right, and you're a parent. I'm a parent. How would you feel if you were on vacation with your family and stuck in the hotel room because it was raining? You would go out of your mind, and that's that's their life at this point. And and we really, you know, I know that there's a lot of talk about money, and I'm not going to say that money wouldn't help, but we really need a federal policy to deal with this in 50 states because you can't just keep printing money. We need to get them work ready. We need to contact our federal elected officials and say, hey, let they want to work. We need workers. It's a match made in heaven. So so there's a lot of work to do. And I know that Mayor Adams is is doing everything that he, he can. And and I think communities have really opened up their arms and said, yeah, we get it. And honestly, I don't hear complaints in the Times Square area for the asylees and, and for the kids, because I think all of us were, were immigrants at one point. Yeah, you know, Tom, what I was thinking of when I was walk when I was walking by and looking at these people and you know, it's just the quality of life is is just not good. I mean, yes, they have a roof over their head and obviously they have access to some food and some bathrooms, but I what I was thinking of is how bad things must have been for them to leave wherever they were with basically whatever they could carry with them to come here and live in these conditions. 
you know, it brings you back to what you just said about where we all come from immigrants. And, you know, my great grandparents, I believe, basically came here because they were hungry. I mean, like literally <laughs> hungry, not hungry to be millionaires or billionaires, hungry to have some uh, food over the table on the table and a roof over their head. Right. And mine, too, the potato famine. I, 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 you know, I think all of us come here with the story and and it's living the American dream. And, you know, I we all want what's what's best for, for them. But we just have to look internally and say, what can we do better as a as, as a country? And just shuttling immigrants from one state to another is is really a lack of leadership at the federal level. And, you know, shooting straight. I'll, I'll say that we need to contact our federal elected officials and say, do better. Yeah. Or, and, as my uncle would say, know your job, do your job. And Tom Harris, we have Chuck Schumer. I mean, he's he's the right. leader of the Senate and he's a real New Yorker. He's not removed from New York. He's a guy who gave, he was, I believe he was at the Yankee Stadium at the hip hop 50 year anniversary. Like, you know why he you know, and he's got the power of the purse. I mean, he's the head of the Senate. He's got the power of the purse. He's allegedly should have the president of the United States ear. And the fact that we have that guy in that place with that power and we're not getting the help here. It, it, what you said is, a, it, you know, it's a real breakdown, a failure of the federal system. Right. But the big coalition, you're just you're just circling back because you and I will both go off on a tangent. Uh, the Midtown Bid Coalition was formed because we all love Midtown. We all work and love unique neighborhoods with unique sets of challenges, but there's common threads throughout that. Um, the city was, was, has always, I would say, been safe, but it could always be safer. And it's safer now than it was a year ago, but could it be safer? Yes. Yeah, I wasn't thrilled. Uh, Tom, yeah. I wasn't thrilled to hear about all the heroin needles that are getting picked up you know, by the entrance of the Lincoln Tunnel. I wasn't thrilled when the state legalized hypodermic needles, so now it's not a crime to possess a hypodermic needle. So, like, and you have to realize that that they 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 basically handcuffed the the police and said don't address them, but there was no plan B. There was no plan to have social workers go out and intervene with these people who are in crisis on the street and say, hey, there's a better way. And look, for better or for worse, we, we arrested our way to arrest. We, we arrested people with drug problems, and then we diverted them to treatment. And this was a model that I saw work in Red Hook. I see it work in the Midtown Community Court where the diversion works. The problem is there's no one arresting them in order to divert them to programs. So we're just allowing people with severe addiction problems to just die slowly on our streets. And that's not a humane society. No, so, it's so not. I, I think we need to do better. Well, we are. And, and the one takeaway I want to make clear is that everyone sitting at that table with us yesterday, and obviously you and Fred and um, uh, the woman from Fifth Avenue with Marie, with, I mean, with those beautiful mugs she gave me. Thank you, Marie. Uh, all of you are doing really, really great work. And you're all trying so hard to uh, make, you know, not only your little areas the best they could be, but making the whole city uh, the best that they could be. So, you know, I just wanted to 
really thank all of you for being uh, for being so great. I mean, Rob from the East Midtown Partnership and Matt from Madison Avenue and even Barbara Blair, who called in from her vacation, uh, the Garment District Alliance. Uh, just just great. So, Tom Harris, you, you're leading the pack. You're the man from Times Square on a Tuesday. Thanks for all you do, Tom Harris. And thanks for all you do, for always getting such a positive message that the best is yet to come. There we go. That that was uh, Sinatra's. That was Sinatra's song, as he, uh, or I think that's what's written on his uh, tombstone. All right, folks, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50 year old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type two diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about two hundred bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-333-1750. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes or overweight or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-333-1750. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-333-1750. 1750. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds too. Call 800-333-1750. 800-333-1750 or biglou.com. Let's talk about my good friends at Bay Ridge Honda. The Sabah family... Robbie and his sister Danielle and her husband Billy and Brenda, beautiful Brenda Sabah, they have been running, well, not Robbie and and Danielle, they weren't born yet, but they started by their dad for 60 years, 60 years. Yeah, Danielle would kill me if she heard me saying she was around for 60 years. Uh, They have been doing just great, great work at Bay Ridge Honda on 4th Avenue and 88th Street for decades and they, oh, look who's here, Mike Esposito. Um, so, you know, Honda has just been an unbelievable brand here in the United States of America since the 1970s. You know, they started off doing motorcycles, and then they brought the cars in. And my dad had the foresight in 1980 to buy my grandfather a Honda Accord, which last, lasted literally for decades. It got handed down from my grandfather to my brother from another mother, Doug Jabara. And we're a big fan of the Honda family. Crazy Joe Hassan, he had the Honda Prelude, 1984, Navy Blue. If the story, if that car could talk today, we'd all be indicted. If you go to Bay Ridge Honda, you could browse from over 200 new Honda vehicles and over 100 certified pre-owned vehicles backed by the Honda True program at their 2022 President's Award winning dealership. And right now you're going to get 0% APR financing and zero down payment on select new 2023 Honda models all month long, plus receive $1,500 when you turn in your trade or lease when you purchase your next car with them. And even if you don't buy a car from Bay Ridge Honda, they will buy your car from you. So visit them on 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Brooklyn, New York, or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. That's BayRidgeHonda.com. These deals are available to qualified buyers. Additional fees may apply. See dealer for details. Sale ends August 30th, 2023. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. Ladies and gentlemen, the Jimi Hendrix Experience.
Wow. So, Alex, is this a recording from Woodstock itself? This is from Woodstock back in 1969 on this day. So there's a lot of vintage uh, music, vintage Hendrix. I'm sure I'm sure you love some of that and your listeners love that, oh, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. 600-acre farm in Bethel outside of New York. So it wasn't really in Woodstock, by the way. It was attended by over 400,000 people. Think about that. 400,000 people. That's like eight Yankee stadiums full of folks. Um, the event featured Jimi Hendrix, Crosby, Sills, Nash & Young, Santana, The Who, Creedence Clearwater Revival, The Grateful Dead, Janis Doplin, The Band, Canned Heat, Joan Baez, and on and on and on. They, it was a, a disaster. <laughs> it, was an, it was three days. There were three deaths, two births, four miscarriages. There was no way to go to the bathroom. There was like a lack of food. It was... It was a disaster, but everyone talks about it because they were all tripping on acid and mushrooms and smoking weed, and they didn't know what was going on. Um, so I just want to give you a, like a little inside, like baseball. So the case I had on today was, you know, for our law firm, it, it's a big case. It's got to do with um, the hip hop industry, and it's a conspiracy to commit murder case. And it was our first appearance. It was my first appearance, and I was up there at the table alone, um, and I was arguing for bail in front of a, a judge who's been on the bench for, I believe, 25 years. He was a prosecutor before that in the Manhattan DA's office. Um, and as he always does, my partner, who you hear me speaking of, John Esposito, who was my supervisor 31 years ago this summer. Um, no, more than 31 years ago, right? Let's see. It was the summer of 1990. 33 years ago? 33 years ago this summer. Um, he came to support me. And... Uh, just he was just as he usually does sits like in the back second to the back row. He brought his beautiful daughter Sophia, and uh, it's nice. I will tell you. I uh, l let me just be honest. I've made more bail arguments than I could count. I'm not going to say whether it's dozens or hundreds or thousands, but it's it's more than a dozen that I can tell you, and and more than a hundred I can tell you that as well. But you know, I was I was nervous. This is a big case. There was a lot of people. Um, who were uh, uh, who were watching, all supporting my client, and uh, I know the judge for for quite some time, and so when the case is all over with, I went to the prosecutor who was a lovely woman, and I said, "Can we approach the bench and say hello to the judge?" Who again? Who I know? I just wanted to say hello to him, right? So she's like, "Sure." So I go, "Your Honor, wait, may we approach?" And he says, of course. Now, at the case is over, and all, there's no other cases ready to be called. And I turn around, and I look at my partner, John Esposito, who's in the back of the courtroom. And I go, Mr. Esposito, come on up. And he says loud, no. <laughs> no. I'm asking him to. Oh, by the way, the judge, when I was asking for bail, did not render a decision. So he wants to, the judge wants to think about it. So I'm just kind of come up and, you know, kind of be nice to the judge. I mean, not that's not going to change his mind at all, but it's nice to have good relations. So here's my partner who worked with this judge, who knows this judge. I'm like, John, come on up. He goes, no. I'm like, holy Moses, can you believe this guy? Of course, I go up there for one. I'm not, I'm not even up there for a minute. I mean, 10 seconds to say hello. And I hear, all right, all right. And I turn around and there's John at the rail. And he goes, ask the judge if I could come up. 
But the judge knows him so well. Like, I don't have to ask that. So I say, Judge, Mr. Esposito wants to know if he could come and approach the bench. And the judge goes, of course. Like, what stupid question that is. So we all got up there. And John is from the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. John Esposito. Judge Chun is from the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. And the attorney who I was up against, she's a, an alum of the Manhattan DA's office. So I was a little outnumbered. But um, we had a nice, pleasant conversation. And, you know, I knew the sergeant in the courtroom, the court reporter in the courtroom, the clerk in the courtroom, the lieutenant, Gary Williams, in the courtroom. And not only does that make me feel great and comfortable and shook off my nerves, but obviously for the um, the family of the the defendant to see that I am so comfortable in that environment and pretty well, I, I got a pretty great reception from them. I think it made them... Uh, I think it made them uh, feel at least comfortable that we're in the game and we'll see what happens. I think Judge Pesci just tested me that he was at Woodstock. I don't think he was at the original Woodstock in 69. He was, and I was in 94. I was there. I guess Judge Pesci was there. All right, Alex, thank you so much. We will be back again tomorrow live and local here on the Idola Power Hour. See you tomorrow. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, 